It's been even longer because this isn't Hey Kids Comics. Hmm. This is the Palace of Glittering Delight. What do you think of that? I mean, it's it's glittering. It's very glittering, isn't it? Uh, I've never had you in it before, have I? No, I mean, I feel like I have to 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 keep the facade you've been doing for so well. It's a bit <laughs> it's a bit damp in here. Should really should really. Uh... Hey, the two true freaks budget is not considerable. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, That's yeah. all I will say. Right, the reason that um, my son Michael, hello Michael, hello, Andrew. is joining me on the Palace of Glittering Delights this week is that um, when we last got together to record Hey Kids Comics, which was Christmas twenty. 2017 yeah because we did it just before the new year didn't we we um spent more time talking about the last jedi and the last episode of doctor who that peter capaldi would be in and right. blade runner 2049 and various other filth yeah that we didn't actually talk about comics now um in that episode we addressed a lot of of the issues that complainers haters of the last jedi had and we got a really good email back from nathaniel wayne hello nathaniel hello i always want to say no nathaniel from the war of the worlds thing and he's sadder cursing to turn his <laughs> name into a song sorry nathaniel but that's what comes to mind when i hear your name because because of, of the war the jeff wayne's oh. war of the worlds album let's keep it there Yes, let's keep it. Uh, so instead of, of boring the Hey Kids listening audience with us rambling on about why The Last Jedi is the greatest Star Wars movie since The Empire Strikes Back, once again, we thought what we would do is we would address Nathaniel's email here where we could give it full full time. We could actually talk about the issues that Nathaniel brings up because Nathaniel didn't hate the film. Okay. Didn't think the film was great. Yep. So that, that's a first starting point from which to go. So he isn't one of the Twitter people who just spews out the same rhetoric all the time. Here's my favourites. You, you may have ticked these off yeah. if you've heard them. Han Solo, Deadbeat Dad. Right. Okay, how is that The Last Jedi's fault? Yeah. When I watched the film, Han He's wasn't in, in it. it. So, oh yeah, there will be spoilers for The Last Jedi. And if you're bored of Last Jedi talk, skip this episode. No harm, no foul. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that's one of the popular complaints that has cropped up since we last got together. Okay, okay. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, social, social Justice Warrior Ray or whatever. I, I don't get that as a complaint. She's a rebel. She's part of the rebellion. Yeah. So... Okay, that's also, kind of in, in the definition. It's it's, it's kind of like the, the, the whole Green Arrow thing. Like, if you're fighting a, a, a fascist hmm. uh, empire, then uh, technically, if we're going for what it means, aren't you a social justice warrior to an extent? Technically, but I don't understand why that's a... Compl- I don't understand why that's a, comp- a criticism. I mean... I don't, yeah. I don't get how that's an insult. I'm not a fan of the social justice warriors, but if you've got to put it on paper and say, well, she is because she's fighting against fascism. Yes, so. some of them are intolerable. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But at the same time, I still fail to understand how it's an insult. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you, do you not want 
like the good for your society. Yeah, and it's and and the the other popular complaint. Now Nathaniel's email tries to address legitimate complaints, okay. not popular complaints. I mean, but these are what have risen arisen since we last got together. And, and I do think we we should. There's a certain degree we should just put shitter complaints to the side. Yes, it's, which is why we're we're addressing yeah, Nathaniel's as a separate show. It's, it's one of those things where. It, we've we're kind of blinded to it now when everything we see is on social media yeah and everyone who is is on it uh just because they know that no one's gonna say something and argue to them personally they mm. can just say whatever they want because they're behind the comfort of, of but also the they don't respond yeah when um, you address them there was one where somebody said kathleen kennedy had said and they were quoting it i don't owe the male fans of star wars anything and so i did a quick google foo and, and I'm not the greatest researcher yeah, yeah, yeah. in the world. No, no. What I found was that quote in the context of a lot of other quotes yeah. that actually that's not what she was saying. Yeah. And I actually tweeted this guy back with, can you source me that exact quote, please, where she said it? Never heard a reply. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, that took me a while to, to kind of learn and to realize. But just because they're the loudest... Mm doesn't necessarily mean that they're representative of those opinions. Yeah. So yeah. And and it's it is still a very small percentage of the overall view. Now, there is concerns to be looked at. Why did Return of the Return of the Jedi? Why did the last Jedi make two hundred and fifty million less than they projected it to make? Right. When if they've got any brains, they would realise that the Force Awakens was always going to be far more of a money grabber than The Last Jedi. Yeah. Because it was the return of Star Wars. First one's always biggest. Yeah. Like, yeah. So maybe they should have adjusted their expectations because the same thing happened with Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron didn't perform as well as they expected. But they were But expecting... it grossed over a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so at what point is a billion dollar plus grossing movie not a success? Even just from a bean counter perspective. Yeah. I'm not talking about creatively. I've since reevaluated Age of Ultron. I think it's one of the strongest ones. Oh, absolutely is. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in that film. Yeah, um, better than the first one. Yeah, yeah, in many ways. The first one, though, has the the, the shock of the new. The first Avengers, and it's yeah, the first yeah. time they did it, and they didn't cock it up. Yep, that's crucial. But the second one is deeper. But the, I mean, the Black Widow and the Hulk relationship comes out of nowhere, and it's poorly written, and yeah. Mm. But but in every other respect, there's a lot of good in Age of Ultron. That was satire. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm good at that now. Oh, you are, yeah, because I, I was totally convinced by it. You did it with a straight face as well. That's just quite impressive. I'm I'm quite impressed with that. But anyway, the Last Jedi. So we're we're on record. I mean, we came out of the cinema, and the conversation as we came out of the cinema went something like this: Wow. Was that the best one since Empire? And you said, "Yeah, it may be better than Empire." I think it is. And I said, "Too early to make that call. You've got to let it bed yeah, in yeah, a little yeah, bit." Yeah, yeah. Um, imagine our surprise to wake up the next day to the Twitter explosion that is no. Not only did we not enjoy it, but it's the single worst creative <laughs> art ever to be dropped on humanity. And if you like it. You're an asshole of the highest order. Which is funny how it's the people who didn't like it that have turned out to be the biggest assholes. Well, my favourite thing, they're, they're constantly quoting, let the past die. The bad guy said that. <laughs> the bad guy said that. Is that not a red flag? When the bad guy says something, 
that that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the view of the filmmaker. But it is. Mm, we'll we'll get it. Think so. I, I, well, okay. Anyway, all right. Should we get into the email yeah. so we can address cogent critical points rather than just Twitter bullshit? Yeah. Because let's be honest, Twitter shit, isn't it? Depends who you follow. Just don't follow. Just don't follow them. I don't. I don't anymore. I've completely. I, although every now don't, and again, don't lie. every now and again, when I'm on the toilet, appropriately enough, yeah, yeah. I will type "not my Star Wars" into Twitter just to see what they're moaning about today. We've swapped now. You, <laughs> I used to look at these things, and and I felt I needed this anger to drive me through. Anger the day is an energy. And we swapped, and now I just don't care. And you're the oh yeah, go on. I'll I'll get myself. Yeah yeah, all I don't. Up. I, no, I don't get angry about it because I'll send you screenshots of Twitter. What do I call it? Star what stupid Star Wars Twitter of the day. Yeah. And how many times have I sent you one of these things where we're both just going like? And then to be fair, I'll end up getting angry about it. It's like, <laughs> but it makes me laugh. If you don't like it, then just stop talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't. See, the, this is the thing. This is the serious point to all of this. You have said the funniest thing you have ever seen is watching me watch Star Trek Into Darkness, right? Yeah. Uh, I I loathed that film. Yeah. With the fiery passion of a thousand burning suns as a Star Trek fan. It was derivative in a way that a reboot shouldn't be. Yeah. It was a remake in many ways of the Wrath of Khan. So what's the point of rebooting? Yeah. But the st- it just gets worse as it goes along. Because you know the writers are going, aren't we clever? Calling back to all this earlier, better stuff. And you're like, no, no, no. But after it was over, you know, I didn't attack J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I didn't say he should be fired from Bad Robot yeah. or Paramount Pictures. Yeah. I didn't demand a remake of the film. Which was a remake of a which film. Which was a remake of a film in many ways. Which would have been like Do you know genuine what I did? genius, really. As an adult. Just didn't watch it again. And I got over it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and Star Trek Beyond, excellent movie. Really enjoyed it. Not going to argue that maybe there the could have been a couple of films in between that to show Kurt getting a little bit bored. Is NUI, but the whole point of Star Trek Beyond, the star date or the date that they're given, it's implied that the entire three years of the series have happened in between Into Darkness and Beyond. Okay. So they're into the fourth or fifth year of the five year mission by the time Star Trek Beyond starts. Right. So arguably, you've got 80 episodes, excuse me. Right. They're filling in that gap. Okay. Okay. And they've gone on, and it is a wacky idea for a, a revamp. They've gone and told us a new story. Right, yeah. Weird that, isn't it? Mm. So anyway, but that that's that's just me. Um, have they done anything like that that you actively loathed and then just promptly went, oh, fuck it, and forgot about it? You weren't a fan of Batman versus Superman, which I don't think is as awful as you do. Um, you you loathed that movie. I did, and I still I still do, and it's I've just gone past it. But you know, they they are the original. Last Jedi haters is well the people who liked it right? the people who didn't like it the people who did like it yeah because people who didn't like it just got over it and again speaking generally although I'm going to get uh, to a personal anecdote in a bit <laughs> speaking generally they're always very much it's not enough that they liked it yeah they've got to attack us for not yes they've got to attack I saw an example of this things. just the other day it's got to be well Marvel films are, are not good Marvel da, 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 da. this is a literary piece of art well, if it's a literary piece of art then turn the lights on set and let me see it hmm. um, but uh, so working behind the bar and afterwards we were closing a couple of mates now me and my boss big Marvel movie fans 
And I've said, you know, I prefer DC Comics, but Marvel films are great. Uh, they work well. They work in different layers, blah, 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 blah. We were both gushing over Infinity War because uh, Infinity War's great. And so good. A, another one my workmates and his mate were like, um, oh, but they're not very good, are they? Like, they're all right, but they're not. But like, Batman vs. Superman, it's a piece of art. It's a literary piece of art, a movie piece of art, whatever. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Cinematic. Piece Cinematic of piece of art. Da, 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 all this. I said, yeah, but it's just a bit boring. It's dull. And, you know, just because it might look like a Renaissance painting does not mean it makes three hours of wankery that good. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And I swear you not, this little person starts jumping up and point poking at me, pointing Does a little... the Harrison Ford finger of doom? Pointing a little finger at me, saying, it's just because you didn't understand it. It's just because you didn't understand it. And that's when I just I just laughed. I just thought, wow, people like this do exist off the internet. <laughs> like, genuinely. And that's the thing. Like, tell me what you liked about it. Tell me what was... Don't jump up and down telling me that I'm too stupid to understand that. Like, just... Did you at that point regale him with all your film school knowledge? No. Or did I just, you just laugh? I just laughed uh, and just strange. thought, wow, that's this conversation's at an end. Yeah, and that has been my issue with this whole Last Jedi debacle. It's that both sides have not been interested in engaging in debate. And I've tried this. I've tried arguing with people who argue that Luke Skywalker's character assassination... Hmm. I don't see it that way at all. Yeah. A Luke Skywalker that holds back the entire First Order with no weapon. Mm. He kills nobody, but he still generates a legend that spreads across the galaxy well, and serves the life of his friends. I mean, the Luke Skywalker bit is, is one of... I have a couple, two major problems with that film. One being Leia and one being Luke. Hmm. But my problem with Luke is not his arc yeah it's just more that end i just thought it was muddier than it could have been and it could have been more refined and you could have paralleled obi-wan kenobi where he actually does go to the planet and 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 uh kylo ren does kill him and he strikes him down but it becomes more powerful than you Mm. can possibly i thought that would have worked better but at the end of the day seen it like however many times the bit where he looks up and he can see the two sons and yeah um but the thing with that is, The Last Jedi, controversial opinion, if you don't believe me... About The Last Jedi? Yeah, yeah. Get out. And if you don't believe what I'm about to say, then go back, watch the original trilogy, and then come back and argue. But The Last Jedi is the first time in the Star Wars films, never mind extended media or anything, The Last Jedi is the first time in any Star Wars film that Luke Skywalker has had any character. Ooh. Because in the original trilogy, what's that flashing? <laughs> I like that line. He's a boring two-dimensional character that doesn't actually have that much growth or any arc. He doesn't. He doesn't have any character. Mm-mm. And he, he just... He, he, he goes from being your farm boy to being the great legend of the galaxy. Yeah, that's right. But that's about the legends surrounding him. And as we learn in The Last Jedi, because that's what it's about, who you are and mm-hmm. your legend are two very com- different things. Mm-hmm. But Luke Skywalker himself does not have any 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 character. He's a bit boring. He doesn't do anything. And it's only everyone else around him that kind of gives him any form of character. Mm. 
he he whines when he's on the farm. He whines when that guy he's known for ten minutes has died. Uh, he 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 whines when he has to do training. He whines when he loses his hand. Well, that, uh, I think we can forgive him for he, that one. He 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 doesn't even have a plan in in Return of the Jedi. He doesn't have a plan that makes any kind of sense. And then the only the only good Luke Skywalker moment is at the end of Return of the Jedi, where he throws when, his lightsaber he... away. When? In the Return of the Jedi, after he he gives to himself to the dark side, yeah, he beats Vader. He yeah, yeah. gives himself to the oh, dark yeah, yeah, side yeah, to yeah, do yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, and then that's... he stands up, yeah. having realized what he's done, and he looks at Vader with no hand, and he looks at his own hand, and he throws away his lightsaber. Come on, that's a great Luke Skywalker yeah, yeah. moment. But still, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm arguing this very well, but from how I've watched them. I just don't think he has enough character. He doesn't have any depth, even. That might be the best word, actually. Well, this is this is an argument I've long had with people. Mm. That the prequels, as flawed as they are, yeah. the characters yeah, yeah. have more depth yeah. and more areas to explore yeah. than any of the original trilogy characters, with the possible exception of Leia. And that's actually why I personally think The Last Jedi is better than Empire Strikes Back. Because it gives Luke and a I'm, backstory. We, it might be been too early to say this when we first watched it, but I've seen it several times. I've seen them both several times. And I, out of all confidence, believe that it's a better Star Wars film than Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Because they're both, this, they're both the same films. Yeah. They're both more or less the same plot. They're both more or less the same characters. And they both obviously have parallels to each other. Deliberately but, so. But there's so much more depth. Hmm. You know, the Emperor's the bad guy. Uh, Darth Vader's the bad guy and obviously Luke and Han and all that are the good guys mm. obviously you're watching this is Luke a good guy or is he a bad guy technically he is the bad guy because he just created the bad guy mm. and he's also you know lying about it and he's lying about it but is he the good guy but you go through all these things and then obviously there's a, re- there's a redemption at the end mm. uh, there's, there's is Kylo Ren the bad guy no he's not He's, he's, he's not, but he doesn't know what to think because he's, he, he's, he's, unlike Darth Vader, he's not sure in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got Snoke, who is the bad guy, but also the way I interpret it is he understands that he has to die to, for Kylo Ren to his, reach his potential. And there's loads much more depth in it where you're... And it's, and it's not... The bit that strikes at home the most is the bit when... He's just killed Snoke, and they fight all the guys, and they have the fight with each other, and then Ray's like, right, let's go save all my buddies, and Ben's like, no, come on, join me, we've got to stop all these fights, we've got to stop the fighting, but we're doing it my way, not your way, and it's Hmm. that bit... It's a conflict of ideologies. Not only is it a conflict of ideologies, but it's also... Up until that point, Kylo Ren himself was conflicted. Mm. He thought the the light was was bad and the dark was the good. He didn't hate his dad, but he felt like he had to kill him because he didn't want to, but he had to. And we see that when he he doesn't kill Leia, mm. and that's there's just so much more depth in it. Instead of as as dark as Empire Strikes may be, let's not confuse the tone with the fact that it's just. A sci-fi film hmm. with with archetypes. Hmm. There's no archetype in the Last Jedi, really. And again, like the the bit at the end, if this is 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 when they're sat on the ship 
and Benicio, Benicio del Toro is bleepity bleepity boop. And he, <laughs> he's he's not a very good character, is he? I really like him. Actually. Did you? I did. I I thought he could be excised completely, he, well, and the film would not suffer yeah, at all. But he's the one who says to 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 Finn like, "Stop being an idiot." Yeah. Uh, because this guy is selling arms to the Empire. Oh, but look, he's also selling arms to the Rebels. Mm. There are no good guys. There yeah. are no bad. Which guys. is the whole point of the Canto bite sequence, isn't yeah. it? The rich will be fine whatever happens whether the rebellion win or the yeah. the, 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 the resistance in yeah, yeah. first order and the, the first can, order of the, the empire the bite bit is is great and rose is great because the one of the 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 best lines in the film is um why did you stop me like stop being an idiot i saved you because hmm. we're not going to win if we just kill ourselves we're hmm. going to win if we save each other brilliant bit in the film hmm. And and uh, her bit on Canto Bite, um, were this basically saying like you know we're watching all these films where we've just got two archetypes fighting each other with flashy lasers, but you know if we're gonna bring this down and and kind of ground it a bit, which you could absolutely argue, do you want to ground a Star Wars film? But if you are doing that, point out that there are no good guys. Hmm. Point you know because then you are going into into real life things where like. You know, um, your government, they're not doing everything that you want them to. Not only that, but they're also, you know, the the backing wars in other countries and provoking wars. And it it's plays into all those kind of themes, which were just overlooked because it's a Star Wars film. Huh? Mm. But yeah, the counter pipe bit's great. Okay. All right, well... it, again, and it's all... Uh, Rose herself, actually, is, is... And it's one of those things that like, even overlooked my head so you know maybe the people who only watched it once and wine didn't get it at the very beginning snoke says uh you'll never rise and the rebellion will never end unless the legend of luke skywalker has ended Hmm. and it's again when finn's about to desert and rose says oh you're the hero you're the guy who, uh, who left the empire and and fought against them and you're this great hero what are you doing oh you desert him hmm. and it's there again the separation of the legend and the and the character right. the person it's i'm leaving that in all right well let's let's address the actual email that prompted this Oh, yeah, yeah. Unscheduled episode. We can talk a lot more about that, should I? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Nathaniel. So it took me a while to get through your latest episode. It took us a while to get to you. (laughs) Because it's not just become difficult for me to listen to people talk about The Last Jedi. Not that I have a problem with people liking it. But it's because I'm in the frustrating position of not sharing most of the complaints made of by the most vocal detractors. The ones other people are making fun of, and not without cause. But I still don't like it. I feel like it's become this odd thing where the loudest complainers are making the poorest arguments, which polarises the other side, who then end up glossing over the problems that are, in fact, there. I've now done four videos on this movie in the last five weeks over on the Council of Geeks YouTube channel, smooth plug insertion, and I'm burnt out on even thinking about it. But you asked for non-fanboy, it's not what I wanted, criticisms... And I would be loath to not step up to that. And I've watched all those videos, and they're good. Okay. But he's re- he is reasonable, and he's not liking of it. Right. So this is why I felt we'd, we'd give this some time to actually address it properly. Let me start with the following statement, continues Nathaniel. Virtually everything about Kylo Ren, Rey, Luke, and Leia is solid to golden. 
I may bring up some execution niggles around them later, but know that I only have very minor complaints to point at those characters, or the story's events that encircle them. The rest of it, however, is... Here we go. Structurally, this movie is a bit of a mess, both as a film in and of itself, and even more so in the context of the franchise overall. Obviously, the entire Canto bite sequence is the major offender on this. Even I was watching it, I thought this is a fractal side quest filler. And he goes into mentioning what fractal side quests are, which we don't need to bother with. I cannot for the life of me figure out why you do this bizarre padding rather than just sneak Finn and Rose onto the ship, have them snoop around working on disabling the thing, Obi-Wan taking down the tractor beam of the Death Star, if you want to throw in DJ, who isn't much used narratively, but fine, have him be in the brig of the resistance ship and know that he has the skill set they need. He can still do his some people just profit off both sides and betrayal bit without this massive detour, especially since we already have a far more interesting side story in Ray and Luke to cut away from and having another does nothing for the flow of the film. Now, you may be thinking, but without Canto Bite, we don't get the last shot of the movie and it's worth it. Well, that's a judgment call, but I feel very firm that that shot doesn't belong at the end of this movie. It belongs at the end of episode nine. That shot was close to uh, that was a shot to close out the entire numbered saga on. So we'll have a break there because right. that is addressing what we were just talking about with the whole Canto Bite thing. Right. So regarding the characters, yeah, as I said, there are two major bits that I didn't like in the film. Mm. One of them being Luke, because I've already said why. The other one being Leia, mm. right? There's a fantastic moment where Kylo Ren is locked on the bridge. He's got his finger over the, the rocket launcher button mm. and he doesn't press it. Yes. He has that moment of self-doubt. Two TIE fighters come in, blow it up. Mm. That was out of his hands. He, he, he lost that decision. He blows up the two TIE fighters after. That's a great moment. Uh, Leia braces gets blown up that is a fantastic moment it would have been you you again you set the stakes you're making a brave bold decision and it's fantastically executed they then cock that up by doing the space layer bit mm. still don't like it it's still one bit that sticks out every time i watch it and not only that but the biggest problem for me is like han in return of the jedi after when she should have should not have died, she doesn't have any any use in the rest of the film. No, she is irrelevant she, to the rest of the movie. She's irrelevant to the rest of the film. So that's irrelevant, useless, and uh, backpedaling. Hmm. That kind of, I think, does a bit of not harm, but it makes you think there could have been more and it could have been better. Hmm. It's a bit lazy. Oh, not being that bold, kind of thing. So is Canto Bite worth it for the final shot of the film? I don't think it's worth it for the final shot. I think it's because you might have been able to have the there are no bad guys thing um, like any other way, but I think you have to see it. Mm. I think it's something that you've got to see. And against, even visually and, and aesthetically, it's good to contrast against the rest of the film. Um, just on a, if you just blur the images and just focus on the colours, you've got the dark, muddy greys and greens of the island. Mm. You've got the greys of the spaceships. You've got the greys of the planets. 
But then you've got all this flashy gold of 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 this casino. The, well, that's the Finn falls for it, doesn't he? Yeah, and he that's falls the, that, yeah. for the allure of Canto Bight. Yeah, until it's it's hit home. And again, the animal bit. The, yeah, the chase could do a cut down. Yeah, because once you notice, uh, and like rewatch this bit, this scene with this in your head, you've got a shot of stuff going on in the casino. Mm. And then you've got rumblings, mm. and then the animals smash through, and then the animals run for a bit, and that happens about three times. That that same and that's order, cut that same down. formula, yeah, it's longer on the yeah. Blu-ray. I know. Um, so yeah, that could be cut down, but at the same time, like, I think the animals are also a bit of a necessity because don't think of them as animals. Mm. Think. So why does she not rescue the children? Well, they can't. She's not really in a position to be able to rescue. Yeah, the children. exactly. I mean. Qui-Gon might have been able to rescue another slave, but he couldn't rescue the slaves. Mm. Um, and so, you know, don't think of them as animals. Think think of them as the rebels or the, the inhabitants that are being persecuted by the fascist dictatorship that runs them. Mm. That's what that, that is, because that's why Rose frees them, because she was on, on persecuted by the Imperials before she joined the Resistance. That's what that comparison is. Right. Um, and that's why she had to free them because she couldn't be freed herself. The least she could do is free something else. Um, and then, you know, and then you get that last shot. And I think it has every right to be in this movie. As I said previously, it's a film about the separation of, of character and, and stories. Mm. It's about that separation. And so... The, the the Luke Skywalker's just died. Uh, they've just lost all hope. No one's coming to the rescue them. The rebels are on their own on the Millennium Falcon. They're sat there going, what do, what do we do now? And then it pans down to this planet where because of what they've seen, these children who are Force-sensitive have that hope to start their own rebellion. Mm. And also, it's majorly important for these to just be children, to just be slaves, to not be Skywalkers. It, because... Let's bin that off. Let's bin off the Skywalkers. Mm. Um, it's yeah. I think that shot has every right to be at that scene because it's when the rebels are at the weakest and no one's coming to the rescue them. But that hope is still strong in, out there in, in the galaxy. In what they do. If it wasn't for Rose and Finn, the that that hope, mm. not rebellion. Rebellions or, are built on hope. Yeah, not the rebellions or anything like that. But it's that hope that spreads. And, and and sparks that on this planet, you know, the oh, the, the fire that will light the... Yeah, that's what that is. The fire that will light the spark, that will yeah. set the blaze, that will start the fire, that will burn. The, the, the last scene, the last shot isn't a payoff of the Canto Bite subplot. The last scene, the shot, is a payoff of the entire film about spreading hope, about legends, about stories. Very good. Okay. All right, next. Uh, so we continue in Nathaniel's email. In fact, the entire thing feels more like the final conclusion than a middle chapter on pretty much every level. I know the First Order hasn't been defeated yet, but I feel like every character who didn't die or whose performer didn't tragically pass away has completed their journey. Rey was disillusioned by Luke and then found her calling. Kylo made his choice in the internal struggle of light and dark. Finn found his reason to fight. Poe learned a lesson about humility. At the end of Empire, there wasn't just plot points left to play out, there were character journeys left unresolved. 
We didn't know what the revelation about his father was going to do to Luke as a character. We didn't know how the loss of Han was going to affect the group on a personal character level. We still had doubts about how much we could trust Lando. We wondered if there was some good left in Vader. There were character journeys not yet completed. I don't feel that coming out of The Last Jedi. I feel the character's personal journeys are done and all that's left is to let the strands play out. You don't close a middle chapter like that. I actually disagree with that. Okay. It's exactly the same as Empire. Yeah. Uh, Kylo Ren's decided that he wants to be a bad guy, but again, like Darth Vader, is there still that good within him? Mm. Is there still something in there? Like, you know, it was Luke Skywalker that created him, so is there something still good there? Uh, again, with with Rey, it's exactly the same as, as Luke. She might have been able to become one with the Force and to, to you know, lift up the rocks to rescue them, because that's <laughs> what the Force is. Yeah. But also... Which was a funny gag. Her training isn't complete. In fact, she left because she couldn't be trained. Hmm. Uh, she left Luke because he wouldn't train her and he, you know... Uh, and so she left. Her training isn't complete. She just stole the Jedi books and buggered off. And so, but now, her teacher's dead before you can finish it. Like Yoda, like Yoda and yeah, like exactly. Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, so her train is done. And Qui-Gon, if you want to go that yeah. far back. And yeah, Poe had maybe learned his humility, but he's not, I don't think he's reached his strength. Hmm. Is His arc in The Last Jedi was to be knocked down. Hmm. So now we have to see him grow. In a film which was all about failure the greatest yeah. teacher is. Even so, Holdo, a lot of people have made a big deal about Holdo and, and Poe and she should have just told him. Right. I think they do a good enough job of explaining why she doesn't just tell him. He doesn't have the relationship her, with her that he has yeah, with Leia. Yeah. And, I think, and in the military, surely she can just say to him, I'm in your superior officer. Yeah. Shut the fuck up and obey me. But it's one of those things where, oh, he's a main character, so da-da-da, he's got to... But mm. that's not what's happening, though, is it? No, because also, she makes mistakes as well. Yeah. And let's be honest. Everyone's glossed over that, that Holdo makes mistakes. But let's be honest, though. Holdo has the single best moment of the film. Yeah. Like, that's that's not even up for debate. The fight's great. The Luke Skywalker bit's great. But Holdo has the single best bit in the film. Mm. Because the bit where she turns around and just flies straight through the ship is great. Yeah, it is. Okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's not. And again, it ends it ends exactly the same way Empire did. They've just been broken. They've just been defeated. They've just lost the the hopes being fractured. But again, they fly off in the Millennium Falcon, and that's all they have mm. hope. That's exactly how Empire ends. See, my my take on that was you don't close a middle chapter like that. Is what Nathaniel says. I came out of the Last Jedi feeling the complete opposite of that. I came yeah. out of Last Jedi thinking they can go anywhere now. And that's if you think <clears> about <throat> if you think about how films are structured, you've got your your opening act, your middle act, and then your third act, right? Mm. It's always at the end of your second act where everything's at the darkest mm. and everything's broken and Apart everything... from Empire and The Last Jedi. <laughs> Maybe back to the future too. Well it is, because like I said, the the outnumbered they're outgunned there's only a handful of them where do they go they've just lost the the person they look up to Hmm. and that's so that's it you know your good guy leaves and then he comes back in the third act like oh yeah yeah yeah. that's that's all that is Hmm. 
It's just the end of the second act. <clears throat> and then, yeah, where do you go with this last one? Well, you can go anywhere yeah, with it. Yeah, that's what I felt yeah. walking out of this. I didn't feel this closed it up, off. Yeah, yeah. Blast door came down. I felt The Last Jedi left it wide open. Yeah. To the point where you and I have seen a lot of films, stories, yeah. comics, books, what have you. We're at the point now where you can pretty much guess yeah. where a story is going to go and the major beats and so on and so forth. I came out of The Last Jedi genuinely stoked for episode nine because I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, it's it's wide open. That's, I mean, another, this might be another conversation, but that's my biggest worry. Yeah. Is JJ is, 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 is just going to play it safe again? Now, I understand you have to for the, uh, for the to final, an extent. Yeah. Well, no, for the first one. You've got to play the first one safe to an extent. Yeah. And Ryan Johnson did the complete 180 of that. Mm. It was it was dangerous, so much dangerous that it's massively divisive. Yeah. And now, again, my major worry is, yeah, you can go anywhere with it, but Abrams isn't known for going anywhere with it. No. Abrams isn't known for wrapping his stuff up. Yeah. He's too big on the mystery box thing. Yeah. I mean, this was my big complaint and why I think The Last Jedi hit me as well as it did or has affected me as much as it did. Every decision that Disney have made since the purchase of Lucasfilm has been safe. Yeah. Every decision. Yeah, yeah. Force Awakens, let's bring back the original cast. Safe decision. Yeah. The film itself, let's make remake the, fir- the first one. Safe decision. Even the killing off of Han Solo, that wasn't a surprise to anyone who knows Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I think that seems flat. I don't really think it works as well as they want it to. Every, uh, everything that I didn't like about the Force Awakens, I absolutely love in the Last Jedi, mm. and I, I do think that's all down to to J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson being two completely different filmmakers. Yeah, so. Kylo Ren, oh yeah, he's, he, there's, there's a certain degree where he represents the fan base who still hold on to the past. Mm. Last Jedi, he wants nothing to do with the past. Mm. He wants to get rid of it. He wants to move past it. That's great. Mm. Snoke's this this flat, giant... Emperor wannabe. Emperor wannabe. Second one, bin him off. Mm. Get rid of him. In a great scene that allows the... Bag- yeah, and it's just... Everything that was safe or boring or flat or didn't go anywhere in The Force Awakens, which was, for me, all of it, Mm. was just great in The Last Jedi. See, I like The Force Awakens for what it is, and I do like the introduction. I do like the new characters. Oh, I like it and I enjoy it. But it's not during or different or risky. So then you've got the comics, all set after Star Wars, Mm -hmm. safe. Yeah. A um, couple of the miniseries have, have differed from that, and they've been the more interesting ones. Yeah. Um, the Darth Maul, Captain Phasma ones, the Han Solo ones, they were interesting miniseries. And then you get Rogue One. Rogue One could not smell more like Star Wars if it tried. It's set, what, literally four minutes yeah, before yeah, yeah. the opening yeah, 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 of the yeah. first film. And it stinks of New Hope nostalgia. And it's Rogue One's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't I, get me wrong; it's enjoyable. I think Rogue One's a great film, though. In if nothing else, then just for the fact that I went into that cinema thinking we already know what happens to these guys. Yeah, they're all gonna die. They're all gonna die. We don't need to see this film, but it changed my mind on that. I thought, yeah, this is great. Yeah, oh, yeah. I ended up. Don't get me wrong; da, 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 da. it's not and it's, bad, and it's not. It's not easy viewing either. No, some and of this it's is, some of it's quite good. This hard is going. another reason as to why I think Solo's great because hmm. Solo 
is a great film. Well, that's the next one. Solo. Yeah. If you're going to make a film about anyone in Star Wars yeah. that's just going to be a yeah, blockbuster, yeah. who's the safest choice? Yeah. And it's another one. We don't need to see it. Blah, blah, blah. It is just a little checklist for how did Han get this? How did Han get this? Yeah, where did he get his blaster from? But if anyone has not seen it, complains about why we don't have to, uh, need to see it, has, has boycotted it or anything, just shut up and go and watch it. Because mm. it's great. It's the but most Star Wars-y since also, Star Wars. everyone who thought Rogue One was great, go and watch Solo. Because if you want to watch a Star Wars film that isn't one of the, the, the main ones... But you don't want to watch a film that's just about everyone being killed off. Mm. Solo's great fun. Yeah, Solo is. Solo's brilliant. Yeah. For that, it is a... It, see, it's, I, I had a theory about Solo. And well, Solo, uh, before you go into that, well, that's, that's... We're going into all these complaints about The Last Jedi. Mm. And and nothing kind of shows that more than Solo, I think. Mm. Solo is is a great film. Um, it's It's got great characters in it it's well written it's alden well alden done. right fair player he, to the guy not yeah he sold it in like the first scene yep. again everything about it is great there are some problems with it and there's some obviously loose threads where they might go into potential sequels uh but it's 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 great but a lot of people and it failed and it failed to the point now where all other Star Wars spin-offs have been put on hold. Hmm. Allegedly. Lucasfilm so, have denied that. Anyone who wanted a Kenobi film, well done, you've shot yourself in the foot. Um, but it failed because people didn't want it to be good. People didn't want it to succeed. Why? Oh, well, I don't like what Ryan Johnson did to Luke Skywalker. Wah, wah, wah. Hmm. So I'm not going to go watch this film. I'm not going to let that, you know, have its say to try. I'm not going to even let it try to win me over. Just you know lash it off and that's that's childish hmm. to an extent i think um like just being petulant that you don't like one film that you're not gonna go watch another and yeah you, yeah it's like saying that a view to a kill ruined the james bond franchise yeah it's it's just or octopus whichever one is generally guarded to be the bad one now i'm sure the the are more saner arguments like i just i'm not bothered about watching it hmm. but to not watch it and to not allow it to succeed because you didn't like Last Jedi, which I think a lot of its failure was was down to. Hmm. Uh, then I think that's just it's it's also a bit stupid. Like you don't like what one film did, so you want more films that are what you've already seen. So yeah, that not, was. So you're not going to go watch the one film which is what you've already seen. Yeah. See, that was one of my complaints as well, that The Last Jedi didn't give us what we'd already seen. And I've sent to you a couple of different fan versions of how we would fix this. But you're all just mental. Every single one of them is fan fiction of the highest order, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, the thing is, though, what is The Force Awakens? Yeah. It's fan fiction, so it could probably as i mean as bad as some of them are hmm. star and, wars, and some of them are terrible like some of the star wars films now are fan fiction they, they all are now the, yeah uh, it's, i just i just want to the one that isn't i just want to get my is toys, the last jedi yeah i just want to get my toys out and um play with them okay jj make a film hmm. i just want to you know how did han solo get his gun go make your film <laughs> well how did we get the death star plans go make your film and it's like 
oh, well, I want to bin all that off mm. because it's not important and we should be telling new stories and we should be exploring new space because we've got an entire Star Wars franchise. So it so begs be the question... Oh, Ryan, ooh, I don't don't think that's a good idea, that, do, mate. Do Star Wars fans just want Star Wars replayed over and over again? Yeah, of course they do. Because Star Wars, no matter how old you are, for better or for worse, Star Wars fans are children. Mm. Star Wars fans are children, which is... It's, it's, it's mental, it's problematic, but it's the truth. Mm. Every but that's I go to these wanting to be a child. Yeah, uh, you know everyone who grew up with them doesn't want anyone else to like their toys. Hmm. They don't want the little little siblings to, to break their toys. Hmm. Uh, everyone everyone who grew up with with the prequels pretends to not like them because they you know they. Well, it's funny they, that that's coming back around now. Suddenly, everyone's a prequel fan. Do you yeah. remember when of all the people we we hung around with and knew? Yeah. You and me were the only prequel defenders. Yeah, because they're not good films. No. But they're great films. Yes. And it's 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 another one of those arguments. Like it's if you don't like uh, like the The Last Jedi, well who was Snow? Does it who cares? The prequels were for you. Yeah. Because who was the Emperor? It's all in the prequels. Exactly. Who? What was the Clone Wars? What? All these questions that in Star Wars was just backstory. Yeah. All these questions that people say is just lazy writing now. Mm. Well, they weren't lazy writing when they did it, however many years ago, because that's exactly what they did. Mm. And they needed three films to explain the backstory that you then didn't like. Don't complain about it now that they're doing it again. If they've already just explained it. <laughs> so, well, I have another theory about the failure of Solo. Right. Okay, Do you want to yeah. hear it? Go on. Rogue One. Right. Rogue One, I think... First of all, the box office for Solo is what happens when only the fans go watching it. Okay. I've seen that argued somewhere. It didn't connect with a mainstream audience. So the argument there is that the people who are boycotting it it is a very small portion of the people who didn't go seeing it. You would have thought that Solo would have been successful. You'd have thought that, yeah. I mean, if you want to go watch a Star Wars film, but now we've eight, nine of them, it's a bit daunting, so you just want to watch... You, you, you might have fancied Harrison Ford a bit a few mm. years ago, so you want to watch that. Yeah. Well, some people are arguing, was killing off Han Solo in The Force Awakens, did that damage the Solo movie? That's an interesting argument to have, possibly. But my, my thing... Let me finish my, my train of thought okay, before, okay, I, okay. before I derail it completely. Rogue One, an awful lot of people went watching Rogue One thinking it was the next chapter in the Star Wars saga. And having the pasty-faced, skinny brunette Brit in the lead did not do anything to dissuade that notion. So a lot of people went seeing it thinking it was the next Star Wars. And they may have watched it and they may have enjoyed it, but when Solo comes out, right. they're not going to get fooled again. They're like, well, this isn't the next I chapter think... in the Star Wars saga, so why do I care? I, I think there's a lot of... I mean, I might be a bit insulting here, but I think that's a little disservice to to the intelligence of a lot of those people. No, I, I think... St- every, from, take every, the marketing out of it. All right, okay. If you well, know there's a new Star Wars coming out, the year after the last Star Wars came out, right. and you're, you've not got your finger on the pulse of social media, no, no, you're no, not paying no, too no, much attention to it, you just think, ooh, a new Star Wars film. If you look at what it's called, Star Wars episode whatever... Subtitle Star Wars. Episode they will, whatever, but they subtitle. don't do that anymore. They just and call then, it The Force Awakens. And it's not Star Wars Episode Seven. The Force. That's Awakens. not how it was marketed. Are you they sure? went out of the way to not right. do Roman numerals. Okay. Well, 
that's the thing. So like, they're all called duh, 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 a Star Wars story. That so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there's something to it, but I don't. Again, I don't but know how valid that's, it is. That's, in that case, then that falls onto a, a, a Disney problem. Yeah, where it's, they, it's a Disney marketing problem. They want well, no, it's just in the sense that, for you know, basically they just want to call a duty it. Yeah, they just want to churn as, out as, Star as Wars as films every year. So they can churn them out every year. Yeah, so that's um, it's it's an oversaturation of it. Yeah, and have we already reached oversaturation with only three films? Absolutely, yeah. All right, because um, they did. Well, sorry, four. They did four Star Wars films in two and a half years. Was it? Just because of where Han Solo fell, mm. so you had the Force Awakens, then one year later Rogue One, then one year later Last Jedi, and then the summer. and then Solo. Yeah. So you've had four Star Wars films in the span of two and a half years. Yeah, uh, that that definitely is the the. But then the counter argument to that is, well, how many Marvel movies have you had in two and a half years? The thing with Marvel films is, they're all their own films. Yes. It's... Nobody's going to confuse Ant Man and the Wasp with Infinity War. Yeah. And if Disney have got any brains, they're not going to expect Ant Man and the Wasp to make the same like, money as but, Infinity War. Yeah, but like, you know, the the they all play into each other as the overall story, but they're all their own films. Where Star Star Wars films aren't. Hmm. Star Wars films are, are an ongoing narrative, hmm. and then your other bits are all supplementary bits. But it's it's again four films in such a short time. Hmm. You're not going to be as successful if you're just throwing stuff out there. Not everyone's going to jump up and catch it. Mm. Or as long it's it's tiring. Yeah. Okay. And that's, anyway. that's not to do with the quality of the films. That's no, because Solo Solo is the most Star Warsy movie of the Disney yeah. releases yeah, of yeah. all of them so far. Solo is the one that captures the feel of Star Wars the most. Mm. Um. Anyway, Nathaniel's email, which brings me to the placement of this thing in the franchise overall. It's painfully clear that Abrams and Johnson had massively different interests and priorities in terms of what they wanted to do in the Star Wars universe. And it has resulted in two movies that don't feel like continuations, but rather a second film that feels like a rebuttal of the previous. If The Last Jedi had been episode seven, I don't mean just change the number, I mean in terms of theme, mood, etc., then I don't think we'd be having the same heated debate. But Force Awakens, from a meta-narrative standpoint, was all about going, look, Star Wars, just how you remembered it. That's the tone that was set for the new films. And then The Last Jedi has a meta-narrative that says, forget about Star Wars as you remember it. This wouldn't have been a problem if the first of a new trilogy, in the first of a new trilogy, because it'd be planting the flag of the new films in new territory. And I'm not talking about how it undermined fan theories or any of that bullshit. I mean, at its core... The Force Awakens, as a film, was reinforcing nostalgia, whilst The Last Jedi is all about how nostalgia is kind of garbage. That's frankly a dick move to pull on your audience when you step back and look at the films and their placement in the franchise overall. That's a valid argument, Mm -mm. but also at the same time, like we've just said, the problem with The Force Awakens was the fact that it was just fan fiction nostalgia. And yeah... Because having two different creatives working on an ongoing story, you're going to get those problems. Yeah. And they, they've argued that Ryan Johnson will have been working on, on The Last Jedi when The Force Awakens well, was in production. Yeah, no, so it's not like they won't have spoke to each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no way that Abrams didn't know what was happening. Yeah. He agreed to it as well. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm you know, I'm of the opinion that the last Jedi is right to say nostalgia's garbage, as mm. it is. Nostalgia's nothing but a selling point. Yes. I, I don't think nostalgia's garbage. I think it has its place. I think, though, if you're going to do a continuing narrative, you have to do something new and change it. 
like Star Trek, for example. Star Trek hasn't moved forward since Star Trek Nemesis in 2002. Yeah. Everything they have done with Star Trek since Nemesis has been prequels or set in between the cracks of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And as enjoyable as that stuff is and can be... It doesn't move forward. No. We have not had any forward momentum with Star Trek now for 12 yeah. years. Longer than that. 15 years. If Star Wars wants to com- continue to release new products at the base, at the rate that it is releasing it, mm. we can't just churn out remakes of The Empire Strikes Back. We yeah, can't yeah. just constantly rely on nostalgia. Yeah, the best moments of Rogue One may have been Darth Vader hacking down people on the Tantive 4 mm. but we can't keep doing that. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 kind of one of those things where absolutely the, the, that, that tone is jarring. The little girl we sat next to in the cinema who gasped when Ray got the lightsaber. She was gorgeous. But... She is everything these new films are. She's everything that I want them to, to be for as well, not the grown men who, who whine a lot. Um, but at the same time, is she going to enjoy The Last Jedi as much? If she's... Because it's well, totally she, different. Yeah, but she's still got plenty of Ray. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah, Ray yeah. was the one that she she's got great scenes with Ray in that movie, yeah, yeah. whether or not she'd even have any interest in the Luke Skywalker stuff, yeah. is a different story. Because well, the Luke Skywalker stuff is very much targeted towards older people. Yes, um, who all hated it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's I I I absolutely I don't agree with them because I think that the Force Awakens is everything wrong with the Star Wars franchise hmm. in that. It's safe. It's safe and over nostalgia has undermined mm. uh, a new direction. Um, but yeah, perfectly valid argument. I just, I just think the inversion of it. Mm. Okay. In that it's the force. The the last Jedi didn't ruin the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens ruined the last Jedi. Right. Yeah. Okay. You see what I mean by I that? I do see what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's extremely telling, Nathaniel continues, that rather than doing episode nine, Johnson is now going to make a standalone trilogy. And to be blunt, I feel that's what he should have done in the first place. There's almost nothing that he did here in terms of his themes or bringing disillusionment to the legend of the Jedi or showing the forgotten profiteers and victims of the conflict that couldn't have been done just as well in standalone films and wouldn't have felt as jarring that way. I mean, if you're not going to put your riskier ideas in the spin-off films, then what is the point of the damn things? That is actually essentially what we've just been saying yeah we would that that is actually very we're very much in agreement with that that the standalone themes are very much played into the nostalgia yeah, yeah. i i think riskier ideas actually belong in the in the i think they belong in the main star wars saga yeah yeah i think i think that i agree with you i think that's what i mean i agree with what nathaniel's saying what's the point of doing boring standalone movies that aren't going to do anything yeah, yeah they're just there to fill disney's quota yeah they again they should all be different because we've got a big franchise that no one's really doing anything with because we just want to play it safe mm. but i think i think all the risks should be in the cause i i agree with that i think the riskier move should be in the saga movies because if they're in the spin-offs and we... yeah and you get like han solo and nobody goes watching it yeah What's the point of doing them? Yeah. What's the point of making those risks if no one's going to see them? And what's the point of making those risks if they're not going to have an effect? Mm. Luke's, you, you could have had the trilogy, though, where Luke Skywalker basically points all the flaws out in, in the Jedi. Mm. You could also argue we've got three films to show that. Yes. But if you're going to point out all the flaws with the Jedi but not put them in the main film, then what's the point of saying that? Yeah. 
you know, you should, I think you should always treat your spin-offs as though it's just supplementary stuff. Hmm. So if you're going to point out the major flaws of the film, don't put it in a, in a side stuff that no one's going to see, care about, and it's going to have no effect. Right. Okay. Uh, there are Those are the big broad stroke problems. There's also a ton of smaller ones. Snoke is given pretty much one background detail too many to, do, to be dismissed like this. When you say that Luke saw that Snoke had poisoned Ben's mind, that raises too many questions to ignore. I don't need his full backstory, but given that he's the root cause of the rift between Ben and Luke, you have to explain to me when and how he got to Ben, since for all we know he was isolated at Jedi boot camp. And then created the Knights of Ren, which were never seen again. Yeah, and I I have a problem with that in that I do agree, but at the same time, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? It's It's enough for me to know that Snoke did get his tendrils into Ben at some point. Yeah. To the point where Luke sees the darkness growing within him. To the point where Luke makes that horrendous mistake of thinking, I need to end this now. Yeah, yeah. And then realising that he's made that mistake, but it's too late because Ben has seen it. And that split second changes the course of events. Yeah. Ben suddenly thinks that Snoke is right. And whilst I agree that having something that would have shown us how this was happening, fine. I don't need it. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like you don't need an entire trilogy just to know that he was Sheev Snoke and a real estate agent. <laughs> but again, like uh, it's it's there was no backstory of the Emperor. You just knew that Darth Vader was his little bitch. Hmm. And if Darth Vader is someone's little bitch... Then the Emperors must be fierce. Yeah. Now, I would argue this. The very first chapter of the Star Wars novel from 1976 mentions Senator Palpatine and his rise to become Emperor. So it was all out there. But again, you complain about Batman versus Superman for having plot elements in deleted scenes. Yeah, okay. So you can't use that. I get get what you mean, absolutely. Mm. And I, I would even bring up, like, um, Thrawn's a character in Rebels. Yeah. But all of his backstory is in a novel. Yes. And you can have a novel it's about... behind S- you on the bookshelf. Yeah, but you can have a novel, a novel about Snoke. And yeah, you can fill in those details, but should be in the films for the people who aren't going to read those books. It do, but should it? What it, Do you think we needed to see Snoke get to bed? Or is it enough no. No, no, no. that I, we're seeing it from Luke's point of view? I'm pers- per- perfectly fine believing that the only thing that Snoke does in that film is he creates the link between Kylo Ren and Rey, mm-hmm. creating fractures within Rey like he did to Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. And he's there to constantly undermine Kylo Ren to the point where he snaps and kills him, which I still think Snoke did intentionally. So that he could, Do you? Yeah, so that he could... I don't think he did it intentionally. I... I think he was completely misreading the Force. No, I... I, I mean, this... I think I found more enjoyment in the film because of how I interpret it. And I've interpreted this from the start and I'm sticking with it. Okay. Well, that's that's what art is. Whether it's a headcanon or not. But the line, he strikes out and kills his true enemy. Mm-hmm. Ray's not his true enemy. 
his true enemy is the master who's done nothing but undermine him, call him a little little bitch baby, mm-hmm. slapped him around a bit, told him that he's wearing a ridiculous helmet, told him he's not as good as his dad. He's done it intentionally because he knows that power there. That's why he sought him out in the first place. That's why he, he, he created those fractures when he was at Jedi boot camp because he knew he had that potential, but he knew the only re- way he could reach that potential is if Snoke wasn't there. So it's a valid theory. The, like I said, <laughs> I don't know that I agree no with way, it. There's no way he took Ray's lightsaber, put it to his side, physically put it there, and forgot about it. Right. There's no way that he's reading his mind and he's saying he's turning the lightsaber. And because you know it's a little, little oh, you you cocked up there, mate. <laughs> he turns the lightsaber as he's saying, oh, he's turning the lightsaber, and to then say, and then he strikes his true enemy right okay all right it's intentional and i'm sticking by that all right fair enough uh rose almost dies to save finn for to and stop it should i say that again rose almost dies to save finn and stop him from almost dying to save a hell of a lot more than one person what there's no part of Holdo's plan that requires keeping it a secret from Poe or anybody for that matter. And I don't care that military chain of command says he should just listen. If it's clear there's that much dissent, then just tell people what's going on. And why is Holdo, a character we've never met before, given this epically awesome send-off while Admiral Akbar is killed without almost any ceremony? Why isn't he the one doing what she's doing so that a character we know and love gets the big moment? What in the heck is up with the weird nun habit wearing aliens? Are they there for any other reason than good reaction shots? Because we already have a pog for that. Rose stops to save animals but leaves behind the shave children. Slave children, not shave children. Boy, they really went over backwards to set up that last shot. Okay, let's go through that. Rose almost saves to die Finn is the point of the film. Yeah, and she tells you that. Yeah, and she actually tells uh, you that. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so, you know, the, the many are better than the few and all that stuff. But... I mean, they got out of it fine anyway. Yeah. So. Um, so the Holdo Poe thing, I think we've discussed that ad infinitum. I think that ultimately comes down to if you have a problem with it, it's just one more thing for you to dog on the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're enjoying the film, you're willing to just let it go. And it's, it, I mean, I I think I was, I was thinking about this the other day. What's all the love of Admiral Ackbar? I was just, that's the point that I, I highlighted what? the word love. Yeah. Why? What? It's, the love of Akbar. Comes, comes from, from it's a trap and 30 years yeah. of it's a trap and in the last 10 years memes he wasn't Akbar is a nothing character in return of the jedi he wasn't he's a even fish guy in the, the yeah in he's the not even return important jedi, in return yeah. of the jedi he's just he is no more important in return of the jedi than general raiken in star wars yeah, than mon mothma in return of the jedi he is no more important than general veers he is no more important than Admiral Piet. He is no more important than any of those other characters who have equal screen time. But, but over he has time, a memorable, a memorable he line. has a memorable yeah. line that has become a meme. And if you're if you're gonna kill a character, you have to kill someone the audience cares about. Otherwise, we don't give a shit. I mean, let's let's. Of all the complaints, this is the one that really does get under my skin. Admiral Akbar's a much loved character. No, he's fucking not. And it's, it, his line is, but, <laughs> but he's, yeah, and it's it's one of it's one of those things where like, you know, you don't you don't really she is because you're rooting for Poe until she kind of does that. Yeah, until it shows you that she had a relationship with Leia, which has been what thirty years. Yeah, she's probably met a lot of people in that 30 in thirty years. years. Yeah, um, and and it's it's that moment. Again, greatest moment in the film that makes you care about her. Yeah. 
and um, it's it's Laura Dern did a did a fantastic uh, part of playing that role. Hmm. Now imagine it. Imagine it if Admiral Ackbar. That's <laughs> it. I'm not telling you, Poe. I'm turning this up around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly my bird. It would have been laughable. He, he's about to fly through our ship. Rawr! You know, I would have, been, I would have been more upset if he killed Nien Nun, but then I gave a crap about Admiral Ackbar. <laughs> Yeah, I would have been more upset if they'd killed um who's thingy who's his mate in the Force Awakens, the guy who's in Lost and Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah I'd have been yeah, more yeah. upset if they'd killed him in the in the Last Jedi than Admiral Akbar. My concern for Admiral Akbar is <laughs> is no more than the fish that I buy at the chippy on a Friday night. I do not buy into this theory that he is a much-loved character by anyone but people of a certain age. You show that film to a bunch of kids, Admiral Akbar's line will make no sense. They won't care. They may go, oh, funny fish, man. But he's not a much-loved character in the way that Han Solo is. He's not a much-loved character in the way Luke Skywalker is. <laughs> I don't buy that argument at all. It's because if, 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 if you want to kind of dilute that argument even more so it's... Who wanted... The Admiral Akbar toy. <laughs> really? Who who wanted? Who, is he who, a peg warmer? Who got it as a gift from their grandma? There may, sure. be, there may be one person yeah, who thinks Admiral Akbar is the best thing since, know, since. We all we all salt, probably got it. Chips. We all probably got it as as because we're collectibles, and yeah. we all probably got it because we have we had a nan who knows we like Star Wars, so just bought us Admiral Akbar. Bought the one who, that was there. Who who wanted <laughs> Admiral, Admiral Akbar? Admiral Akbar. Oh <laughs> So sorry, we 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 completely don't agree with that. But I don't buy that Admiral Akbar is so beloved the character. But even if he is, killing him off like that worked because suddenly, oh, this is dangerous. Yeah, a character and we it, know uh, has just been killed unceremonially. And also, it's that that scene would have just been completely undermined by the fact that ah, I'm turning the ship around. <laughs> I'm just, no, I would not have put Admiral Akbar in a major role. I do apologise. Because no, he never had on. one. Yeah, probably. What in the heck is up with the weird nun habit wearing aliens? They live on, on Acto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do they need another reason uh, for that? They live there. What was up with the Tuscan Raider terrorists? Yeah, what with the Pogs. With, what was up with the Jawas? The Pogs, know? they live on Acto. I mean, the, the novel reason. The, po- the Pogs can bugger off. I don't mind the Pogs. They're all right. They're harmless enough. They're, they're, no more, they're no more offensive than the Ewoks. Leave them alone. They're fine. I do like the Ewoks. Yeah, see. So. Um, they live on Acto. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, Luke says they're caretakers <laughs> of was... the Jedi archives. Yeah. I mean, they've not really got a lot to do now, but they live on I Acto. I mean, they have after, after uh, yeah. Ray's left. Now. I mean, that's why they're there. They just live there. What do they yeah. need? A, do, we need a, do we need a story about the caretakers, a Star Wars story? You know that there probably would be There probably one. would be one, yeah. Uh, Rose saves the animals but leaves behind the slave children. As you have already pointed out, sl- saving the slave children would have been a far more difficult proposition yeah. given that what they were there for. Yeah. I know you've argued that Cantor Bent is a side quest anyway. Cantor Bite, sorry, not Cantor Bent. But even within the confines of it being a side quest, they've still got somewhere to be. Yeah. Um, And you know, arguably, by giving them hope, you do rescue the kids. Yeah. All right. Even with some things that sound that are sound as far as intent go, there's still execution problems. The whole thing with Ray's parents is a good example. I love that she came from nowhere and isn't anybody special. That's what I said I wanted even before The Force Awakens came out. But you don't build a mystery around something that has an answer of nothing. 
And they did build it as a mystery, not just in The Force Awakens, but in The Last Jedi as well. Again, I love that she's a nobody, but they should have just planted their flag in that idea in The Force Awakens. I think they did. What does Maz Kanata say to Rey? There's no point going back. Hmm. They're not coming back for you. She's essentially saying to her, your future is with these guys. Yeah, Your future is not back on Tatooine wannabe waiting for parents that aren't coming back for you. She's essentially saying, move on and forget about them. I think there's, there's, in The Last Jedi itself, the, it's only really Kylo Ren who keeps bringing it up. Yeah. And he's only doing that. And who is it who tells her that her parents are nobodies? The bad guy. I mean, she saw it herself when she went into the... And that as well. When she went into the little Harry Potter pit. (laughs) Little Harry Potter pit. Which I heard... Uh, I, um, a, a criticism that that place totally didn't feel like it fit into a Star Wars film. The um, cave in The Empire Strikes Back? That was exactly my argument, yeah. <laughs> okay, alright, fair enough. Um, I, I, I think that's interpretation, basically. I think that Maz Kanata basically told her that in The Force Awakens. Well, everyone was telling her that in The Force Awakens, yeah. really. When Han's disapproving look when he says, oh, I've got to go get back. And... and uh, even Luke in this saying, well, all right, maybe you do come from nowhere. Yeah. So that I think that was there from the beginning. Mm. I also think, like, if if The Last Jedi weird, was being worked on when The Force Awakens was being filmed, they has to have had a conversation about it. It's weird, this, because we have actual recorded evidence of me arguing that she should be Luke's daughter, which I could not disagree more with. <laughs> no, well, I, I actually like her being a Kenobi, to be honest with you. But then again, the whole point, the Star Wars saga is the story of the Skywalkers. Yeah. And the problem that we've got going into episode nine is there are no Skywalkers left apart from Kylo Ren. Well, also, not only that, but in, 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 a, in a film about a, a nobody rising to greyness. Hmm. So it turns out now that he was just meant to be great because he's a Skywalker. Let's hmm. move out of this a little yeah. bit. All right. Again, Nathaniel continues, let me stress there are things that are great about the movie. The opening action beat is awesome. Ray and Kylo's interactions are intriguing. Luke's journey feels properly earned and justified. Yoda is delightful. There's not a damn thing wrong with Leia's return to the ship. Fight me. The fight with the Praetorian Guard is epic. Luke confronting Kylo is masterful. But the more I think about the movie, the more problems I see and the less these brilliant parts fail to prop up the whole movie for me the more i think about it the more i enjoy it i watched it um the other day just to prove just to say right, am i right yeah because yeah, you yeah. do read so much on thing you're like am i wrong for liking like, this movie i think i kept messaging you saying this is great yeah this i mean and i was at work going i wish i could go home i watched the last yeah. Jedi. <laughs> and even like the yoda bit the yoda bit's great the yoda bit's awesome and again in a film full of fantastic yeah, but he's not scenes. disagreeing with that he yeah, loves yeah, yeah. the yoda scene i mean but you know film full of fantastic scenes fantastic moments fantastic lines yoda's bit where he says they are what uh, we are what they grow beyond yeah fantastic bit which should be the star wars films yeah star wars films should be should grow beyond what the originals are yeah so always have the originals but they should be they should be there not as a, a template for not everything as a template but as as this was uh, this trilogy yeah something to this overcome. was this trilogy yeah let's do another trilogy all right okay sorry for my epic length email but it provided us with another episode of something so that's fine 
Um, I've been able, I hope I've been able to supply you with some criticism of the film that feel more justified than the nonsense that is getting the most press and which seems to be what you find for the most part. Hope you have a great summer. Again, guessing at how long until this next episode when you might actually address this. That ended up being accurate, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> Geekily yours, Nathaniel. Right, first of all, Nathaniel, I don't want you to think that we've dogpiled on you for this. Um, the reason that we saved it and did it as a palace, like I say, we didn't want this to be a hay kit, but we also wanted to be able to devote the time properly to a legitimate person giving legitimate criticism about the movie, and it provided us even with a lot of. Even if we did laugh even at if, Admiral Ackbar, if, if if you do actually really like Admiral Ackbar, then we apologise. We, we, I just I just don't yeah. see it. If you think Admiral Ackbar is a much beloved character and one of your all-time favourites in the Star yeah. Wars universe, I'm sorry, I just don't agree with that. You know, a, a while ago, actually, I was I was I was toying around with the idea of while I'm at uni doing a little doing a little blog, maybe a little mm. blog. And my first one, I thought, <laughs> would have been, would have been in defence of the Last Jedi. Okay. And I thought I would talk about, I would go in depth, use my media study skills and all that, bollocks, all that bullshit, and write about why I think Last Jedi is great. And then I thought, does it need defending? Does it? <laughs> Doesn't yeah. You, ultimately, I think this is one of those issues. If it didn't work for you, it's not going to continue to work for you. Yeah. I do find a lot of the criticisms to be a little bit whiny. Yeah. And of the and of the kind that the film didn't do what I wanted it to. Yeah. And that was also the criticism of the prequels, remember? All these people yeah. that are now saying bring George Lucas back. Where were you people in ninety nine, two thousand and two well, and two thousand and five? The last Jedi uh, I mean, the prequels didn't outright tell viewers that you're not going to like this and this isn't what you want. No, that's true. So, I the proof of this will be in episode nine. If episode nine tanks at the box office, yeah. Disney have got problems. Yeah. If episode nine does as well as The Last Jedi, if not as well as The Force Awakens, yeah. then I think Star Wars is pretty safe. But I, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy should be fired for making a film you didn't like. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, that's like, I don't know. I was going to say something, but I completely forgot. But, yeah. That is immature. Yeah. That is yeah. childish. I mean, it's, the thing is, though, like, with Star Wars, it has, it's kind of always been there for as long as the prequels. I mean, I don't know if you've just seen the... It's the, been there since Return of the Jedi. Well, I, I don't know if you've just seen the interviews uh, with the guy who played Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. impressed. Uh, which perfectly line up with what happened to young... Jake Dad. Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, which again we're seeing now with the girl who played Rose. Mm-hmm. It's 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 nothing new, and it's all just why immature. why do Star Wars fans feel the need to go after the actors who have only performed the words written in front of them for a paycheck? Yeah, um... that's my main issue with a lot of the ill-conceived arguments. Anyway, uh, so thank you for the email, Nathaniel, because it gave us a, a one-hour, 15-minute episode of The Palace of Glitter and Delights, and it warmed us up quite nicely for what's to come. Yeah. So if if you've listened to all of this, well done, because the kids' comics gave you problems. But congratulations. Uh, everyone else, I, we make all time on The Last Jedi now, eh? I think so. Until episode nine comes out. Um, and then we'll hate The Last Jedi. Yeah, The Palace yeah, <laughs> the Palace of Glitter and Delights is a two true feature presentation. Pop on over to the webpage to go through the link to Amazon to buy your crap because it keeps the lights on. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. That was good. That uh, You can go now and uh, I'll drop in a trailer for something and then I'll be right back with your correspondence, lovely listeners. <laughs>
In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Always a pleasure to be of service to the law. Wonder Woman. Finished. Now let's bring the world back to normal. Batman. Well, Professor Baffles has evidently lost his baffling power. Aquaman. The jet nozzle is buried in the sea bottom. The jet stream is stopped. And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Join Mike Zumo on the Man of Speed podcast as coverage of Super Friends and its many incarnations begins in March at www.2true3.com. Okay, a couple of uh, messages in the message bag. There can be only a dozen or so. It's from Luke Giaconetti. Immortal Andy. If we learned anything, Luke, it's that being immortal isn't always fun. Uh, Is it me? It's you. Or is the Highlander series one of those where every film seems destined to be chopped up, reformed, edited and generally mucked around with forever? I did not see Highlander until I was in college and I was able to pick up the 10th anniversary director's cut DVD, which is the uncut international release, which, to be honest, I mostly picked up out of curiosity and the fact that it was a budget release. At the same time, there was a budget price special edition of The Quickening, which I passed on, and I still have never seen all the way through. Same goes with The Sorcerer, The Final Dimension, which I remember reading about in Cine Fantastique and thinking it sounded pretty good, but evidently that one stinks too. I'm sure I've seen a few episodes of the TV series, but it was never appointment viewing for me, like you mentioned on the show. Uh, I have only ever seen Highlander 2 The Quickening in the cinema when it first came out. I have never been tempted to revisit it. It is a hugely disappointing movie. I'm not going to say it's the most disappointing cinematic experience in my cinema-going life. I still think that's Batman and Robin. But I've never, I've, I've never felt the need to revisit Highlander two. I have, I think I've seen, I've watched Highlander three a few times, the one with Mario Van Peebles, because that one just feels like an episode of the show. You know, there's nothing to it. Apparently, this immortal was living, was trapped in a cave. So how did the quickening happen then? If there was one immortal left alive somewhere, it doesn't didn't make any sense. And the the two Duncan McLeod movies. I don't think I really rated either one of them, but certainly the first one at least had Connor in it, uh, looking very, very old. Christophe Lambert um, has not aged particularly well, which is, you know, that's life. People age, it's just one of those things. But if you're supposed to be playing the same character, that's quite unfortunate when you're supposed to be an immortal. Anyway, the big touchstone for me with the Highlander series is Endgame continues luke my college friends and i had to hunt down a theater which was actually showing the film we had a fun time watching the nonsensical action spool out on screen i've always been perplexed at these supernatural scenes which are in the trailer but absent from the film supposedly filmed specifically for the trailer but if you filmed it why not use it but i've always grinned at the cameo appearance by wwe all hall of famer adam edge copeland 
In Grand Highlander tradition, there exists a producer's cut and a rough work cut of Endgame, which are both radically different from the theatrical cut, as well as each other. In fact, I don't think the theatrical cut was released in the DVD was released on DVD in the US or UK, although I believe the VHS release is the theatrical cut, in case you're like me and have a few VCRs still kicking around. I'm constantly reminded of Highlander while watching a show my wife and I keep up with now, Outlander, a lot of which is set in 18th century Scotland. Great show, lots of intrigue, romance, time travel and action, but as of the third season, no immortals decapitating each other yet. Ah well. Yeah, Outlander, we've seen the first season, it's just been started to be shown on Film 4 or More 4, something like that. Um, attracted my attention because of the pedigree of the people involved in making it. It's it's largely a Deep Space Nine reunion. You know, Iris Stephen Burr's there, and Ronald D. Moore's there, and a couple of other Illumini from DS9 and Battlestar Galactica. Um, it's, it's quite a sexy show, to be honest with you. It's quite a lot of nudity in it. Um, but yeah, I've seen the first season of Outlander and greatly enjoyed it. Could do with more immortals decapitating each other, probably. Uh, Luke continues, I do not have many comments on Brand New Day as I've not read it, but I did want to say that being first introduced to the ongoing Spider-Man narrative in the early 90s, the spider marriage was the status quo for me and I was sad to see it dissolved. I compare this to the same way that Murray Jane's pregnancy was essentially abandoned in the aftermath of the clone saga, a cold jettisoning of what had become narratively inconvenient. As an aside, one of the cadre of writers, Zeb Wells, was responsible for some of the most poorly received Eddie Brock stories ever written. Venom Dark Origin was intended to be the be-all, end-all origin for Eddie Brock, but did a real number on the established work of David Michelini and was pretty universally rejected. He also wrote the anti-Venom New Ways to Die mini, which was somewhat better, even if it never went anywhere. I cannot speak for his contributions to Webhead, but I cannot say I was sad to see his contribution to Venom rolled back along with the rest of the BND developments for Eddie. Thanks for a fun show. Looking forward to Spider-Man and whatever else comes down the pipeline. Um, I'm looking forward to the Venom movie. Um, I mean, it's got Tom Hardy in. I always like Tom Hardy. I think he's a very underrated actor. And I think it has the potential to be quite entertaining. It's... It's going to be a completely different beast, and I think divorcing it completely from Spider-Man may benefit immensely as a film, because Venom's one of those characters who is so intrinsically linked to the Spider-Man narrative that it's going to be interesting to see how they get around that in the Venom movie. It's going to be, it's going to be fun, I think. I hope it is. I hope it's a good laugh at the very least. Thank you, Luke. Uh, our next email is Oliver Villar. Hello, Andy. Hello, Oliver. I enjoyed the retrospective on Brand New Day and I loved everything about the first year except for Wells and Bacalo's story arc. I remember wishing that it was Slot and Jimenez doing all of the stories. It was around that time that I started writing letters to any Marvel comic at that point and ended up having two letters published in Amazing Spider-Man 558 and 564. Well done. The letter published in 564 was edited, most likely due to the fact they had questions about upcoming storylines that they were planning to happen anyway. Thankfully, it finally ended in 2010 when Slot became the sole writer of the series. The Slot solo run was certainly enjoyable for the most part, but I could have done without the topical pop song references that plagued certain issues, i.e. Lady Gaga's bad romance from issue 650. With Slot now gone from the series altogether, I look forward to Nick Spencer's run alongside artist Ryan Otley. Keep up the good work, Oliver. Uh, yeah, just got to put a plug in there if you've not read Ryan Otley's run on Invincible. 
uh, go and track it down. I'm, I'm a big fan of Invincible and it's just finished. So you have the option there of, of looking through the entire series. I'm sure it's going to be available as, as an omnibus at some point. At the moment, it's probably something like 25 trades. Cause I know it's 13 hardcovers because I've got them all. Uh, thank you, Oliver. Chris Leatherman has emailed in. Hello, Chris. Hello again, Andrew. I really enjoyed your recent episode on Highlander, but I'm writing today about your in-depth analysis of Amazing Spider-Man 99. Just by coincidence, this is my single favourite issue of any Spider-Man book, and I purchased it at a Northern Ohio Comic Con way back in either 1988 or 89. The reason? Stan Lee himself was appearing at the convention, and although I knew very little about comic book history as a 10-year-old, I was somehow aware that Stan had only written books from the early days of Marvel, and I wanted to purchase a book that he had actually written to get signed. By chance, 99 was the particular Spider-Man that's irritating, a pop-up just popped up over your email. By chance, 99 was the particular Spider-Man issue that I found in a random dealer's long box at the convention that had an intriguing cover and was affordable and was sufficiently old enough to possibly fit this criteria. I remember smiling Stan peering down at the cover with mild bemusement before I opened it up to sign the first page. Alas, I don't recall him saying anything at all insightful about it. It was the 80s, after all. In fact, I had no idea where the issue fit into the series as a whole until now. Anyway, thanks for continuing to produce such a wide-ranging and entertaining show. Cheers, Chris Leatherman. You are very welcome, Chris. I, uh, I'm happy to do it. This is, this is probably the most fun I have in podcasting with my clothes on. Actually, I don't have my clothes on. Hmm, who knew? Anyway, Amazing Spider-Man 99 and Ditko comes from Chris Franklin. The lovely, the mighty Chris Franklin. And uh, Amazing Spider-Man 99 does sound like a great stopping point for the series. I always thought the extra arm bit was silly for Spider-Man, so you can kind of look at it as a jump the shark moment. Adding the reasons you gave, and 99 does seem like about as good a point as any for the series to come to a close. I wish they'd stuck with Peter and Gwen heading towards engagement and him being on staff at the Bugle. Even before the term was coined, the dreaded reset button reared its ugly head. Heavy sigh. Great eulogy of Ditko. I'm glad you decided to focus on the work and what it meant to you versus Ditko's beliefs, which were his own, and his refusal to participate with fandom in any way, which is also his decision. As countless stories crop up online of folks who consistently annoyed this elderly man who clearly wanted to be left alone for decades, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. This is the type of Ditko discussion I wanted to hear. You know that you and I share the Marvel Tales bond where we were just as excited, if not more so, to read the ASM reprints in Marvel Tales every month as we were the new issues, and that was a good period for Amazing Spider-Man in the 80s, but nothing beats Lee and Ditko. Thank you for a thoughtful and heartfelt episode. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Yeah, like you said, Ditko's, Ditko's beliefs are his own. Uh, it's not for me to say that he's right or wrong in what he believes. That's, you know, that's entirely up to him. And, you know, if Ditko doesn't, didn't, sorry, want to go to conventions, he didn't want to engage with people about his past work, he didn't want to wallow in nostalgia, then yeah, that's entirely his business. Fan entitlement is um, a phrase that comes up a lot recently. And... As a rule, I kind of think, as with all these buzzwords that, you know, people throw around on shitter, I do think maybe they put more emphasis into it than perhaps it deserves. But yeah, there was a lot of stories 
about I got in touch with Steve Ditko and he said this and I did this and I did this and at no point did any of those stories seem to take a step back and wondered if Ditko would want them to do that or if he just would have been happier if they'd left him alone you know um I kind of think the same thing with Tom Cruise you know if I enjoy a Tom Cruise movie the fact that he's a Scientologist has no effect on me whatsoever but I don't actively seek them out you know, but Oblivion and Edge of Tomorrow are a pretty damn good science fiction movies. Which is apropos of nothing, I think. Um, I'm glad you liked my, my Ditko eulogy. Because I know Ditko did a lot of stuff other than Spider-Man. And hopefully will be remembered for that as well. But for me, the Spider-Man stuff is the most important. Finally, Walloping Web Snappers. Daniel Doty's emailed in. Hello, Andy. Hello, Daniel. Cheers, sir. You gave an intriguing argument on why Amazing Spider-Man 99 would be a good end point for Spider-Man. I wish I had more to say on the subject, seeing that I partially inspired the show, but unfortunately all I can think of at the moment is the sudden sad news of Steve Ditko's passing. As I've told people over the years, I started reading Spider-Man during the Michelini Bagley run on Amazing. While I enjoyed that era, what really finalised my love for Spider-Man was the original Lee Ditko stuff. There was so much that I related to and identified with in the Lee Ditko run. Peter Parker was me. My first two Lit Ditko stories were Nothing Can Stop the Sandman and Face to Face with the Lizard, which I first read in Spider-Man Classics, a short-lived reprint series from the 1990s. Since then, I've collected the Lee Ditko run in many forms, from the Essentials to Marvel Tales, the first edition Marvel Masterworks to the vagrant killer-sized omnibus. Because his Spider-Man was the one used on all the merchandising, we tend to think of Jazzy Johnny Ramita as the definitive Spider-Man artist. But if you asked me to pick between Lee Ditko and Lee Ramita, it's no contest. Ditko all the way, baby. Speaking of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, I want to take this opportunity to congratulate you on your excellent Walloping Web Snappers series on the complete Lee Ditko run. Those are some of my all-time favourite episodes of The Palace, and I listen to them at least once a year. Thanks for honouring the legacy of Steve Ditko, Andy. Sincerely, Dan Doherty. Well, you're very welcome, Dan. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, a couple of things I just want to mention, though. First of all, there are two podcasts at the moment that are going through the Lee Ditko era. The first one is called Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About Spider-Man, which is two... I think they say that they're stand-up comedians and writers. I've never heard of them before. Um, but it's a hugely entertaining show where they go through one issue of Amazing Spider-Man every, every week. They're currently up to The Man in the Crime Master's Mask. I've been listening to that since the very beginning. That's worth listening to if you're interested in uh, Lee Ditko Spider-Man. And there is also Swinging Through Spider-Man, which is a really interesting podcast. I've listened to the first couple of episodes as of this recording. It's a really interesting podcast. Uh, it's two guys who've never read Spider-Man before um, going through the Spider-Man issues. And it's, it's genuinely amusing. There are some genuinely amusing moments in it. Uh, and I heartily recommend that as well. I think it's fun. I, th I think you'd enjoy both of them. Um, again, I wish to thank Nathaniel Wayne for providing the impetus for this particular episode with his email uh, on his thoughts on The Last Jedi. Nathaniel Wayne hosts the Council of Geeks YouTube channel. He does a video every couple of days. He's quite prolific on that. Uh, they're always interesting topics, always worth watching. 
Uh, there's a lot of videos on there, so you can easily find something that interests you, I'm sure. It's primarily Doctor Who, um, but there's lots of other stuff in there as well. I like his Doctor Who videos, and, and Nathaniel's a good guy. I like Nathaniel. Got all the time in the world for Nathaniel. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is a 2 true free presentation. If you have any email feedback, feel free to email me on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. And I will return, much like James Bond, with uh, with something else in the very near future. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>